We're going to do a couple of things. I have two ideas. I'm not going to break new ground on the Christmas story. I think we've heard it a lot before. I think we know what happens. There's a couple of things. We tried to paint a picture this morning uh, through Joel's monologue and the video from the Bible Project, which some of you have seen already before. I've shown it a couple of times of, of kind of the attitude and the, and the scene that's happening here. We're going to continue uh, working through Luke right now. We're in our Luke series and it conveniently lands on Christmas that we get to talk about Luke chapter 2. So if you brought your Bibles this morning, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at seven verses, and we're going we're gonna, to, there's not a lot to break down. I mean, you already know what happens. But Luke chapter 2, in my house growing up as a kid, before we could open any Christmas presents, my dad had to read the Christmas account from Luke chapter 2. And oh. My dad was such a slow reader. <laughs> For real. Like slow, slow. So much slow that I don't even know if we do that in our house because I was, I was traumatized as a child just looking at like those gifts and going, I can't believe I have to sit through 40 minutes of 12 verses. So we're going to take our sweet time this morning. Nah. But we had that tradition growing up. It was fun. It was like this thing. And then we... The other thing that we did, which I asked somebody in the office if they did this, is my parents wouldn't put um, baby Jesus in the manger. It would be like somewhere else, or, well, really it was behind the nativity. And then we would put baby Jesus in the manger on Christmas morning. Anybody else do that in their houses? Yeah, so like, like Jesus is here, let's put the baby in the manger. And then like after that it was time for gluttony and like let's, let's show off our greed and we're Americans. But it, we had some fun times. There were, one of the things about Christmas, and this is why we have cinnamon rolls, I was like, I want cinnamon rolls. In my house, growing up, we had cinnamon rolls every Christmas morning. Cinnamon rolls and grapefruit. That was like a Christmas morning breakfast for us. And it's just, it, cinnamon rolls reek Christmas to me. And so I just, that's why we have cinnamon rolls. I asked, how can we get cinnamon rolls? And thank you, Nichols, for uh, giving us a solution from the coffee cup on how to get cinnamon rolls. We appreciate them this morning. Verse 1 of chapter 2 of Luke, follow with me just a little bit. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house, the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the end. It is as straightforward as it gets. As simple as it is. I mean, there's no pomp and circumstance. There's no uh, big spectacle at this particular point. Now we get to the shepherd piece, and we'll talk maybe about that tonight at our Christmas Eve service. But there is literally... The simplest way to execute these seven verses just happened. Rome says we need to go to our home city. I'm from Bethlehem. Conveniently, God's using a Roman leader to accomplish his purposes, which is really fascinating if you start to work through that in your mind. We're going to go to Bethlehem. Mary's going to have a baby. The baby's born. We put him in a manger. And we create all kinds of wonderful Christmas songs because of it. Wasn't it fun singing those carols this morning? Based on these seven verses, just boom, 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 boom. And it's done. And Jesus is here. Nothing spectacular. 
In fact, it was just the order of the day. You need to go to Bethlehem. It wasn't even a magical, like, like thing that happened other than the cool star that everybody saw, but like that where, where it landed, where, where they got this kind of vision from the Lord. They knew, they got the vision that Jesus was coming, but a vision from the Lord that, hey, we should probably go to Bethlehem. We should maybe, this is where we should be going. There wasn't anything spectacular like that. It was simple and, and, and small. All of us who've had kids know how not small having a kid is. It's not easy having children. And it's pretty scary the day that they come. Really scary. Like painfully scary. You have the bag and there's all these things and like we're rushing to the hospital and there's all this stuff. Not, no donkeys. I mean, I could imagine my kids being born in a stable. Like, I was, like, super pristine. Like, let's make sure everything's clean. And are they going to get a disease if they're born in... Like, I mean, this is a, these are the crazy things that we think about. Like, how different it is now when you have a baby as opposed to, like, just the simple arrival of the king of the universe. Like, it is not easy to have a kid nowadays. And Jesus is here. So I have two ideas for you. Two ideas for this morning. First one is, is that, and we saw it in the video, Jesus' uh, arrival, the Messiah's arrival, is designed to turn everything upside down, to change the way that we look at the world, to create a new world order. The weak will be strong, the sick will be healed, the blind will see, everything is going to change. And there's a reason why it's so simple, small, and delivered to the least of these. Because through the least of these, God accomplishes his purposes. Through the least of these, he unfolds his kingdom to the earth. Jesus, when he grew, you know, he didn't go out and find the biggest rulers, the baddest rulers, the smartest rulers, the richest people. He found the people's people to take them and say, let's go find other people and make them fishers of men. He went to the weak because everything is being turned upside down with the arrival of Messiah. Messiah comes to change. Messiah comes to fix. Turn with me in Isaiah. I've read this almost every single week of this church. Isaiah chapter 9. And it will be familiar to you. What does Messiah come for? Verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot and the tramping, tramping warrior and the battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with his righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The great prophecy that the prophet Isaiah like, 
gave that everybody knew that everybody was waiting for had come and it had come. This mighty passage that people proclaimed for years and years and years expecting the king to arrive and take this government and build it up and give them freedom and power and authority and rule over the lands. He came and just was quiet and calm and to the weakest and to the sickest and to the most lowly. Because his kingdom isn't about power and authority. In fact, Jesus didn't come to give power and authority at this moment. He came to bear the responsibility of our mess. Power and authority came at Easter, which we will celebrate in a little bit, our Super Bowl for church comes up in April. We'll have special services for them too. Put it on your calendar. But Jesus came to turn it all upside down. Secondly, Jesus came to be near to us. What does it take to have a close relationship, to have a good marriage, to have a best friend? What does it take? Now, sure, God could have, from the heavens, declared his authority and power over the, over the earth, and he has. But God came to earth to be near us, to be close to us, to have relationship with us, to, to be with us, God with us, Emmanuel. He came to be a part of the human condition, incarnate God, Christ man. He came to earth to live, to walk, to, to, to see and understand the struggle so that he can then redeem for real us. What does it take to have a close relationship with someone? You have to be near them. What does it take for us to have a close relationship with the Lord? We have to be near him. Jesus came to earth as Messiah to be near to us so that he could provide peace. Romans chapter 5. If you want to turn with me, we'll read it together. It says this about peace with God. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that our sufferings produce endurance. And endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Jesus came to demonstrate love, to to begin the process of being with us so that eventually we could have Easter so the power and authority over sin and death could be actualized. So, So we could actually experience redemption. So that Prince of Peace, peace that comes and Isaiah chapter 9 comes through God-man coming to earth as Jesus to bear the mess, the sin that we have. 
the garbage that holds us, the sin that entangles us. It had to start at this place. It began right here. Who has their dove? You have your dove? You guys were calling, who's called it a plane? Somebody said, this is a plane, this is a bird. Well, actually it is a bird, it's a dove. The universal sign for peace. Messy world. Yesterday I was cleaning my bathroom, which I've talked about before, I think as my responsibility to my wife with having three boys in the house. I have committed to cleaning bathrooms. That is my job as a father and as a man. I swear that I hope that, I promise I'm working really hard that my boys will be two men that clean bathrooms when they're older. (laughs) And And they'll make their wives very happy. But have you ever left your bathroom so dirty? You're like, ooh. And you like, kind of get scared to clean it a little bit. You're like, I'm a little feel, fearful of what's going to happen. That's what happens when boys are responsible for cleaning the bathrooms. Eventually, they just kind of let it go for a little bit too long, right? And it gets a little scary. And eventually, you go in there and you're like, ooh. When was the last time I was in here? Well, fortunately, that didn't happen yesterday. <laughs> yesterday, because I cleaned the bathroom the week before. So now I have like some time, right? Well, part of cleaning the bathrooms are like putting, getting your junk taken care of, taking care of the mess. In the Christian community, we call that confession. It's like cleaning your bathroom. You know it's there. You want to ignore it. You want to pretend like it's not a mess. You want to pretend like it's not dirty. You want to pretend like it doesn't smell weird. You want to pretend... Like it's just okay. And if you close the door and you have another bathroom in your house, you can simply walk away. For those of you who've been in a frat house, that's how every fraternity looks. And then eventually all the bathroom doors are closed and they have to finally bite the bullet and clean it. In the Christian family, that's called confession. We're cleaning our bathrooms. We don't like to do it. It's not the best thing. It's not our favorite thing. But we have to confess. We confess because because of the confession that we give up to the Lord. He has promised. He is faithful and just to forgive us. And not only just forgive us, but even just kind of even take the things that are, are maybe not even sin, but struggles and frustrations and hurts and problems. And maybe even like sicknesses and these weird experiences that we have that we don't know how to get rid of. But we confess them up to the Lord. We say, Father, please help me. Maybe somebody's having some financial difficulties or or we're struggling with a kid. That's not necessarily a sin. It's just like this thing where you need God. And really what you need is you need this peace that showers over you. The peace that passes all understanding. The peace that doesn't make any sense. The peace that makes us illogically hopeful. The peace that changes the way that we live on this earth. That's what we're craving and wanting. And the universal sign of that is is a dove. 
So when Isaiah says the prince of peace will come, the prince of peace, the one that gives us hope for the future, like Romans, like Paul says in Romans, hope. That's peace. That's Jesus. That's Christmas. That's what began and started on Christmas morning. So you're dove. Here's what we're going to do. And I don't know, I mean, how many are there in this room? Maybe 400? This could get weird. (laughs) I mean, I make things weird. Let's do it. So we're going to have some pens for you. And if you open your dove up, you can write on that right there, right here. And if you have a pen, that would make life really easy for somebody. And Leighton, are you still up there? Why don't you drop that cord down? You're going to write something on here. Maybe it's a confession of sin. Maybe it's uh, something you're struggling with. Maybe it's, it's something that you, maybe it's that thing that you want, just, that shower of grace and peace and love from the Lord to, to land on you so that you feel complete. So you feel like you, like, like the Messiah is actually landing on you in a way that you have peace. What we're going to do then is we're going to, we are, and I hope we have enough, we might, we don't have to double up here. We're going to tape these on here, and then we're going to launch our peace doves in the air. And it's going to be pretty, and we're going to like it. So take some time um, and write. Maybe we could put some, I don't know, Christmas music on. Not the Jingle Bell Rock or Last Christmas, but some of the other stuff. While you guys are riding. And then um, some of my helpers, if you guys could go get the tape, and we could start taping as people come forward. If we were really crazy, we'd... I don't even know what we do. Are you going to set these back up? What's that? It is pretty crazy. So in Hebrews, my favorite passage in all of Scripture, I think, I think, today it is. It's pastoral hyperbole. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to read the whole section to you. Many times in our, um, in our Christian lives... We, we try to internalize or like make this kind of this like our own special thing. Like we want to confess alone. We want to be alone. We want to, uh, my Christianity is my personal endeavor. It's a personal thing. It's a private thing. It's this thing that I do alone. It's not. It was never designed to be that way. It's never intended to be that way. Christianity, walking with the Lord, following Jesus, is done in community, is done in family. It's done together. Hebrews chapter 10. I don't know why my Bible just doesn't open right up to it. Verse 19 says this, Therefore, brothers, since we have a confidence to enter the holy places, by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that had been opened up for us, Through the curtain, 
that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. This is that we have confidence and hope and assurance that we can step forward into the most holy of holies, into the, into the, into the presence of the Lord. That started when Jesus came to earth and, under, and he actually made himself the tabernacle, the one with us, God with us. He came as man to tabernacle amongst us, to be with us, to be the temple. And let us hold fast, verse 23, the confession of our hope without wavering, for he has promised his faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another, how to spur one another on towards loves and good works, not neglecting, not neglect. what did I just say, Collecting. Not neglecting to meet together as if that is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So sometimes we use that passage and we say, we use it to say, you should come to church. You should come to church. We believe you should come to church. We love that you come to church. But it really is about stirring one another up towards the thing that was said prior to that, about this assurance and confidence and the cleansing that we have through the power and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which began on Christmas because he had had to come. He had to come first with, to be God with us. That's the stirring. That's the thing that we're trying to push one another into. That confession. That thing that you put on the table and say, Lord, I need you. So please, come tape your doves and we'll launch them. I'll be done speaking because it's awkward to come. I know when I'm talking. You're like, I just want to hear that guy say what he's going to say. Just kidding. <laughs> Launch your doves. We'll put them up and we'll pull this thing up. This is going to be just a, a time of church people running into each other. I like it. 